Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're back this week and ready to study the Bible with us. That's what we do for 30 minutes each week is try to answer viewers' questions because we think that's the best way to help people know the, your Bible. So if you got a question about the Bible, something you've always wondered about, uh, maybe something we'll say in this uh, next program will cause you to say, I don't know about that, and you want a follow-up question, that's what we're here for, try to help you understand your Bible better. So uh, there'll be a phone number and a website on the screen throughout the program. You use those anytime you want and uh, get in touch with us or leave us a message and we'll get to your question just as quickly as we can. When I say we, I mean me, Steve Tandy, and my partner Toby Levering. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're here and ready to go, and we've got a lot of good ones coming up. Uh, our viewers continually give us new questions and uh, some repeats, but lots of new ones all the time. So we're going to tackle them as fast as we can today. Uh, we always give our viewers one first, just see if you know a little bit of Bible. Uh, there's a little tricky one here. Which high priest put Jesus on trial? There were a couple of uh, guys that claimed to be high priest at the time of Jesus. And which one put him on trial? See if you know his name. And we'll give you that trivia answer at the end of the program. See if you got it right. Looks like Toby drew the first one. So tell us about Given money. Got, got all sorts of questions, and one of them that we frequently get is about money. This one's about the aspect of giving. Can donate? Can donating money to a religion save you? And will you? Will we be rewarded for this? Okay. So first of all, no. Uh, you uh, donating money to a religion is not what saves you. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine says very clearly. Paul makes it abundantly clear. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Salvation is a gift. It cannot be earned. And uh, we do have a responsibility to respond to that. But to, you know, does giving uh, to a religion, to a church, does it help you? Does it make you better in God's eyes? Does it save you? No, certainly not. Uh, God will never love you more or any less than he does right now, and that is evidenced through sending his son and the grace that he offers to all uh, through uh, faith in Christ Jesus and obedient faith to uh, his commands. Um, however, the the second part of that, will we be rewarded for this? Um, probably not in the way you intended the word rewarded. In other words, uh, you don't give X amount and you get to heaven. You give another X amount and you get an extra large mansion. That's not how it works. But there is a reward in giving. Uh, there is a blessing to it. And uh, the blessing really has to do um, with how it changes you. Uh, when you begin to give, you begin to open your hands 
and it, it changes you. And I can't fully explain that, uh, but there is something that transforms within our spirit, within our our, our uh, uh, view of the world, when we begin to view that everything that we have is from God and that we uh, are vessels to share that with others. Uh, this is what Jesus said. Uh, Luke records this in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Uh, in all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So will you be re rewarded directly? No, but there is a reward. There is a blessing in giving uh, because it changes you, it matures you, it makes you uh, more like in the image of your father who is a giver. You know, John 3.16, the famous uh, verse, for God so loved the world that he gave. Your father is generous. He wants his children to be generous as well. So no, you, you cannot uh, earn your salvation. Donating to a religion or a church will not save you. However, giving can be a blessing to you. So I uh, hope that helps and uh, clarifies a little bit from Scripture. Alrighty, thank you, Toby. I'm thinking while well, you answered that, how differently uh, some religious TV programs <laughs> yeah. would have answered that question. Mm -hmm. uh, we never asked for money on this program. You longtime viewers know that, uh, and we certainly don't uh, promise you anything, <laughs> sure. uh, especially eternal salvation mm -hmm. if you if you give. But uh, some programs have all sorts of rewards for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's the next question. Where's the scripture that says when God cast angels out of heaven, uh, they hit the earth like a bolt of lightning? Well, it sounds like an interesting verse, but it's one of those that is not quite in there. That verse, well, that verse isn't in the Bible. There is a passage that probably is where this person heard that or got that idea, and uh, it's in... Uh, where is it? Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. Let's look at that one. Uh, Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So I imagine that's the verse that our viewers got in their mind. Uh, the trouble is we don't know exactly what Jesus meant there. Uh, the situation was he had sent 72 of his disciples out to preach and tell people about him and spread the, the good news. And uh, he empowered them. And when they came back, they were excited about everything they had done. And one of the things they said was even the demons obeyed us. So they had cast out demons and things like that. And they were excited about that. And Jesus' response was there in verse 18. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Now, we don't know exactly what he meant. Uh, this is one of those situations where I wish we had an original recording to get the tone of his voice. Uh, we probably could have picked it up from that. Uh, either he was saying, yes, I saw Satan fall like lightning when he was cast out of heaven uh, before the earth began, actually. Uh, it's when, he, when that happened or right after. Uh, so he, either Jesus was making a historical comment that, no, it's not surprising to me that the demons obey you because I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Or maybe he was saying that, yes, when you were casting out demons, uh, I, I recognized that Satan was taking a hit. He was, it was falling, uh, getting beat up. Uh, so we don't know exactly what he meant there. Jesus 
obviously was around when the events of uh, Satan and his rebellion. Uh, so he was probably referring to that, but we didn't know exactly. But uh, we aren't told much about the casting out of Satan and the, the rebellious angels. Uh, very little information in the Bible about it. But um, he was cast out to the earth, and Jesus said it was kind of like lightning. <laughs> Pretty quick. <then. laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, the next question is uh, not too hard, just discern God's will. Uh, what is God's will concerning burial and cremation? Well, and I say some some kind of tongue-in-cheek there that not too hard. Obviously, discerning God's will is not something that we do other than what the Word says on this program. And in that regard, on this subject, uh, God's Word doesn't say much about burial and cremation. Uh, people were uh, both buried and cremated in the, the uh, uh, pages of Scripture in the Old Testament and in the New uh, one example of cremation we have is 1 Samuel uh, chapter 31. And the Bible really doesn't give a, a command or a, 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 any sort of uh, commentary on the act. It just says that it happened uh, <clears throat> towards Saul and his men or to, to the body. And so it doesn't really give us any insight there in terms of cremation. People were buried also. Uh, and the same thing. Uh, so Bible really just doesn't state that God has a certain will about whether you're buried or cremated and how all that works. Some people do have an opinion on that, but the Scripture simply does not say. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, the Lord told Adam, uh, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Well, that's true, whether you're buried or cremated. Now, uh when you're cremated, that happens a lot faster, okay? But eventually, the outward, the the body, the, sh the shell, the tent, it, it all turns back to dust. And we know that's true, and that's what God's will was. But in terms of whether you should be buried or cremated, the Bible doesn't say. It's very neutral on the matter. What we tell you on this program is if you're thinking about one way or the other, simply communicate that very clearly to your family because people do have opinions on it. You may decide you want to be cremated. Your children, absolutely, that's the furthest thing from their minds, and that's not what they want to do. So communicate those things, write them down, and so forth. But biblically, we can't point to a scripture one way or the other. All righty. Let me talk for just a second about a good way to study the Bible. And uh, if you've watched this program very long, you know there's lots of questions we get. And there's no way we could ever cover all the questions folks have about the Bible. But that's why we advocate home Bible study, sitting down by yourself and uh, or with some other people and studying the Bible together. Uh, it's amazing what you can learn from God's Word. So we know that's hard for some folks to get started, uh, don't know how to do it. So we've got some tools that we think are pretty handy. Uh, here's a set of lessons that we'll start you on if you want to take some through the mail. Uh, we'll mail you that first one there, the Old Testament, and it just introduces you to that part of the Bible. And then the others give you more information about the Bible. Then we've got these more advanced courses that uh, follow up that introductory course. And you can get deeper and deeper into the Bible. You can study for a long time with Know Your Bible Study tools. Uh, we've also got some online options if you 
would like to do it on your uh, e-device, you can just log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org and give them a little information, and uh, they will hook you up with us, and you can have an online study and study the Bible wherever you are, whenever you are, and not have to wait for the mail. So both of those options are absolutely free, no charge to you. Uh, we even pay the postage if you choose to do the print version. So uh, all you got to do is invest a little bit of time, and at the end of it, you'll know your Bible a lot better, we think. So log on, uh, call the phone number on the screen, tell us you'd like that free course, and tell us which one you'd like, and we'll get you started. So study the Bible with us. All right, we get a lot of questions about suicide, and we get... Uh, some where the viewer says, what's the Bible say about it? And we get some about what's going to happen to people who commit suicide. So I thought today I'd lump those two questions together and do do them separately. So first let's talk about this one. Uh, what's the Bible? Uh, where in the Bible does it talk about suicide? And let's just strictly limit our discussion to the Bible and what it says. Uh, it doesn't really use the term suicide. And in researching it, I found six instances where you might call it suicide. And these are the the instances, so let's just work through those quickly. A guy named Abimelech was a soldier, and he was fatally wounded. And uh, he knew he was going to die, so he asked his armor bearer to kill him. Uh, Samson, uh, remember that story, he destroyed the temple, pulled the pillars down and pulled it down on himself and the Philistines. So it's kind of a self-sacrifice, but you might call it suicide. Uh, King Saul and his servant, they were in war. His son had been killed. Uh, He was critically wounded. The enemies were coming. He knew they would desecrate his body. And so he asked his armor bearer to take his life. And the armor bearer said, no, I, I can't kill the king. Uh, so Saul fell on his own sword. So he, in a sense, committed suicide. Uh, Ahithophel was uh, somebody that hanged himself in disgrace after his plot against King David failed. Uh, Zimri burned the palace down around himself and killed himself. And, of course, Judas is probably the most famous. Uh, we know that he hanged himself after the shame of what he did to Jesus. So that's the only six I could find uh, cases of, like I said, they don't even call them suicide. And some of them we might not consider suicide, uh, like Samson. Uh, but that's what's in the Bible. Now, the point of all that is the Bible doesn't say that was good or that was bad. It doesn't condone it. It uh, doesn't condemn it. It just reports it. It just says this happened. Uh, Saul knew that his body was going to be desecrated and used as an example uh, if he was still alive. So he asked his armor bearer to kill him. Uh, The Bible doesn't say, well, that was a good idea or that was a bad idea. It just says it happened. So uh, those are the only instances I could find of suicide in the Bible. And like I said, the Bible does not say this was right or wrong. Okay, a little later in the program, we'll get back to uh, the question of modern-day suicide and what happens in that case. Okay, the next question has to do with a specific verse. What did Jesus mean about the rich and a camel going through the eye of a needle? 
Okay, well, this is uh, found in Matthew chapter 19, the story of the rich young ruler uh, who came to Jesus and asking what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus kind of goes through what would have been typical protocol for a Jewish rabbi to say, keep the commands. Uh, the rich man said, oh, I'm, I'm in good shape. I'm, 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 I've kept all these commands. And Jesus said, well, okay, if you really want to know. And then he says, go and sell your possessions and give what you have to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. And the rich young ruler uh, he goes away with sadness because the scripture says he had great wealth. <clears throat> then Jesus says, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone to enter who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Well, it's kind of a peculiar saying, and there's been a lot of debate and commentaries about what Jesus really meant. And there's one semi-famous story about supposedly there was a gate in the wall, and you could only get through if you unloaded the camel, and the camel knelt down, and you could only get through with just yourself and all of that. Uh, that would be, that'd be very amazing if it were true, but it doesn't seem to be on further inspection to be true. So what exactly was Jesus talking about? Well, I think the simple, I mean, a lot of times in Scripture we think we make things um, more compl complicated and complex than they need to be. Uh, scripture is really designed to be pretty simple, and I think really at its heart, Jesus was saying it's kind of hard for people who are attached to their stuff uh, to go to a place and be a part of something where that stuff really doesn't matter. Uh, in fact, let's look at chapter 19, verse 23 through 24. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, I say to you, only with difficulty uh, will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's a good example of one verse explaining the other. Jesus is basically saying, in fact, the NIV, I believe, this is the ESV on the screen, NIV says it's hard <laughs> for a person uh, with many possessions and great wealth uh, to go through the kingdom of heaven. Now, um, we should hasten to say that some people will read the scripture and say, ah, ah, I say the rich people, they're not getting in. Well, well what's rich exactly? Well, typically, people would define rich as anyone with more than me, <laughs> right? I'm not rich. Just the, the, the threshold is just above me. Okay, you need to know, <laughs> certainly in our modern world, if you're watching this show, if you're watching a program or if you're seeing it on your iPhone, uh, you're a rich person. Okay, you are in the top 1% in all likelihood. And so before you go pointing fingers about everybody who's not going to heaven because of how much they have, uh, you need to know that according to Jesus' standard, you're pretty rich. I am too. So what's he saying here? It's hard. We've got to pay attention to it. And then in verse 25 and 26, he says this. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. And they asked, who then can be saved? Which is, of course, the right response. And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. A lot of people forget that. that uh, there are a lot of people in the kingdom. There are some very wealthy, God-fearing, Christ-following people. So the point is not how much do you have. The point is, how much has you? And what's your heart toward it? 
And do you understand that you're just a steward and that God's given you those blessings to, to uh, further his kingdom and to help people and to sh- be willing to share? Uh, that's the heart that the rich young ruler didn't have, right? He wanted to hold all that stuff for himself. And we can be the same way if we're not careful. So Jesus meant by that scripture or by the camel going to the eye of a needle is just very simple. It's just this picture of try to put a camel through the eye of a needle. That's not, that's pretty difficult to do. And the disciples say, how in the world can this happen? And Jesus said, God can make it happen. Okay. The only way we get into the kingdom of heaven is through Christ. And if we'll let Christ take over our heart uh, and, and let him uh, have the attitude, uh, hold the reins of our possessions and our wealth, and then we'll be sure that even if we have a lot, we'll do the right things with it. So um, Jesus was simply saying it's hard, but God uh, can overcome even the hard things. So I uh, hope that helps explain the camel going to the eye of the needle just a little bit. All right. Second part of our question about suicide is a lot of people want to know, do people who commit suicide go to heaven? Well, uh, first of all, let me point out something we hardly ever mention, but I think it's something we assume or we ought to know for sure. It depends a lot on their relationship uh, before the suicide. Uh, were they a person of faith? Did they have a right relationship with God? Uh, or were they living a life of no faith, of a life of trusting in themselves and um, not having anything to do with God? Uh, that's the determining factor, and then we got to figure out later what to do about suicide. But when anybody dies, uh, that's the question. Uh, the mode of death uh, doesn't automatically send somebody to heaven if they weren't in a right relationship with God. So uh, let's make sure we're clear on that. Now, a lot of people uh, tell people, in fact, a lot of religious people tell people that, well, if you su- commit suicide, you're going to hell. The reasoning that they use is this. Uh, Murder is a sin, and self-murder, therefore, is a sin. And if you kill yourself, you don't have a chance to repent of that sin. So, ergo, you're going to hell. Um, And that's the reasoning. Uh, Some people add to that, well, God promised that he would never uh, tempt us more than we could bear. So whatever this person was facing, he could have borne it if he would have just been strong enough. Uh, I think both of those are uh, not right. I think those are, especially the second one, I think is not only wrong scripturally, I think it's a cruel reasoning. Uh, But those are the reasons that some people say automatically anybody that commits suicide is going to hell. Now, the part I think we don't take into account, uh, two things we don't take into account, one is that a person who commits suicide is really, by definition, not in their right mind. The the first uh, order of business for humans is self-survival. Uh, we want to protect ourselves at all costs. So when a person uh, gets where they don't want to do that, when they want to take their own life, uh, they're not in their right mind. They're not functioning properly. Now, there's lots of reasons for that. It uh, could be chemicals, it could be uh, a depression of some sort, it could be a mental illness, it could be all sorts of things, but there's something wrong there. Now, we don't know what it is, uh, but we got to admit something's wrong. So I think we need to take that into account, and the main thing we need to take into account is we forget 
uh, that God is dealing with this. And we forget how merciful God is and how knowledgeable God is. God knows exactly the state of that person's mind and the state of that person's heart. So God's going to handle it just right. Now let's look at just a couple of verses that may help us understand this. Romans 2.16 says, On that day when God judges the secrets of men, when somebody we know commits suicide, we wonder what was going on, uh, what was bothering them, what caused this. God knows. He knows the secrets of men. And 1 Samuel 16.7 says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So to answer the question, do people who commit suicide go to heaven? Yes, I think a lot of them do uh, because God knows the state of their mind and the state of their heart, and he's a merciful God. Uh, I don't know if all of them do, but God does, and he'll handle it exactly right. So I think we ought to be pretty uh, lenient or compassionate when we start talking about uh, where those who commit suicide go. We don't know. All right, let me take this moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, we like to talk about a few each week or one that helps us stay on the air. Today, let's talk about the one in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's on Southeastern Avenue. Great group of folks there that uh, deal with the Know Your Bible up in that region and uh, in that marketplace, and we appreciate their help. And if you're looking for a church home, drop in and visit those folks. You would be warmly welcomed. I've been up there, and they are a friendly group of people. So uh, drop in and see them, or if you've got questions, uh, call the building there, and uh, they'll help you answer your questions. So anywhere the market you're in, Church of Christ near you probably, drop in and give us a visit sometime. All right, though, so we got a little okay, time yeah. left. we got a question about being born again. How do you know if you've been born again? <clears throat> well, we know it's required. Jesus said this to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, where he says, Jesus uh, replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. So that makes sense. But the question is then, okay, how does that happen? And Scripture is very clear on that. You can read Romans chapter 6, uh, specifically 1 through 4. Don't you know all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, as we were buried with him through baptism in, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, that we too may live a new life. So uh, baptism uh, is how one is born again. And uh, what happens is a, it's a physical act, but it's also an inward uh, transformation. So hope that helps you understand being born again. All right, I got time for a short one here. If you ever want to know, was Jesus married? And I think I can confidently say, no, he was not. And the reason I can say that is there's four different men wrote very detailed biographies of Jesus. And uh, in fact, Luke said he really researched it and studied hard and got everything he could. None of them mention any marriage. I don't think serious biographers would have left that little fact out. So, uh, no, I'm pretty sure Jesus was not married or one of the biographers would have told us. So let's make sure we get a trivia question answered today. And it was about which high priest put Jesus 
on trial. There were two of them, Annas and Caiaphas, and Caiaphas was the one that uh, did the trying of Jesus. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 57. All right, we thank you for being with us today. We're out of time, but we will be back next week and try to answer some more of your questions. Uh, continue to call in or log on, and we'll deal with them. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.